So, uh, Mike, theater experience, any memorable ones uh, mm-hmm. besides Memento? <laughs> well, um, we've talked before about how big of a comic book fan is. So I think the only movie that I've seen of Nolan that I went to see because it's a Nolan movie is uh, is Inception. Right. Uh, all, of, all of the others are because I love Batman and I want to see. I mean, I appreciate Chris Nolan and I appreciate what he did for uh, something of which I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. But I, I went because it's a Batman movie and I would have gone no matter who directed it. Right. You know what I mean? I, I went right. to Man of Steel, even though Zack Snyder directed it. <laughs> um, so I went to see Inception because it was Chris Nolan. I remember seeing the trailers and just saying, I have no idea what that's about. <laughs> But I'm gonna see it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, of course, I was floored. I, I saw it with a with a girl that I was dating, and I dated briefly, mm-hmm. uh, and she didn't get a lot of it. Uh-huh. I saw I saw it with a friend and fellow nerd, uh, and he and I were just just laughing and, and appreciating every every wow factor nice. scene in the entire movie. Um, so I left the movie with two overwhelming feelings. Holy crap, that was amazing. And holy crap, I got to get out of this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. So up next is Batman Begins, the uh, the first of Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy starring Christopher, uh, Christian Nolan. Uh, wow, holy crap. <laughs> uh, starring Hank. <laughs> Listeners, that was a reference to the Breaking Bad bonus episodes that you'll hear. Yeah. Um, I've heard. Um, <laughs> okay. Starring Christian Bale, Michael Caine, um, Heath Ledger in one of them. Um, this one features uh, Liam Neeson uh, as well as uh, Killian Murphy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's uh, – I was blown away by this movie when I first saw it. Um I think uh, I think you guys mentioned that you weren't, or Tiny mentioned that he wasn't very uh, excited about it when uh, uh, when when it came out. But and well, I was the same way. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it, my theater experience was I was working in a movie theater and I went to go see it for free. And it was actually kind of funny because a coworker of mine was seeing it as well, and it was kind of awkward because I didn't. It was like when I just met him. Um, so I was like, we both went at the same time and we went to the same showing. And then I was like, should, should I sit by him or are we seeing this together? <laughs> Share then, popcorn. Yeah. Uh, hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then to add to the awkwardness just a little bit, uh, I actually had to give, I give him a ride home. So it's kind of weird, but, but we both really liked it. And, uh, I mean, I was actually the ride home or the I, movie. I think I think he went on a date, Matt. I think <laughs> it sounds like a I date. That's what I'm saying. It was weird. There was like a bouquet waiting for me, and I mean, I kept getting calls, and it was weird. It was weird. Um, you but, you were done eating the popcorn, but he kept saying, "Dig deeper. There, the good stuff's at the bottom." Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, I could have made a very vulgar joke, but anyway, um, I just I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It was not what I was expecting from. A Batman movie. It was not what I was expecting from a superhero movie in general, or mm-hmm. or a comic book movie. If you're a purist, since Batman's not technically a superhero, um, yeah. But I mean, I I loved it. I I, I really did, and uh, 
it was fantastic. What did you guys think of it? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I, I think it's I think it's amazing. Um, uh, my introduction to it is kind of interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, the that summer, of course, in May May nineteenth, um, Star Wars Episode Three came out, and that's all I cared about that summer. It was like mm-hmm. there was Star Wars Episode Three, and then college, and then like the Cubs were okay that year, and then <laughs> and then Batman Begins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was kind of initially, at least I think, and the way I took it as as a senior in high school was, it was kind of. Um, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering here. Initially, it was kind of introduced or advertised as a remake, kind of reboot, kind of pre... They weren't clear on what it was. Mm -hmm. Intentionally so. I I have no doubt in my mind that it was intentionally so. That if you wanted to say this was a prequel to what came before, then that's fine. You can understand that. Uh, But if you want to say it's a remake, okay, that's actually a little more accurate, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's up to you. They were very unclear intentionally. So I went in waiting, waiting for the score from the, uh, from the original movies, the Tim Burton movies. And, and um, it was a lot different than I thought it was going to be. I loved it though. I mean, I love the movie. The movie is fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Tiny, you mentioned uh, earlier about your experience with it, but uh, how did you feel about the movie? Um, I I also liked it a ton, and I think think this movie was, you know, Batman Begins was the the first comic book movie that was treated or was accepted as an art form as opposed to just entertainment. And I Mm -hmm. think, Mm -hmm. you know, there had been, obviously there had been some, some good, comic book films before that um you know the the x-men movies and blade and stuff like that but i think those were those were almost solely entertainment value um Mm -hmm. as opposed to artistic value and i think this this film batman begins really changed the the general public's uh perception of how how a comic book can be delivered and consumed as art as opposed to just something you go see because you want to see a movie or you want to mm-hmm. you know be entertained for an hour and a half uh that that's I, I think it was again not to over over uh exemplify nolan but i think it was an important film as far as that goes because it's it, it changed how people can it changed how people think about a comic book movie or a superhero movie yep True. and that was that was clearly present on the screen as you're watching it in the theater that's that's how I felt about it when I watched it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Did, um, am I the only one? Do you guys share? Uh, I connect a lot of how I watch movies or moments with movies with with the score and, and the theme, uh, particularly with the superheroes because I want that to be like the, the song I hear in my head when I see a superhero come on the screen. Mm-hmm. So you know there was so much Danny Elfman in the originals and and even the animated series that that theme is is. I associated that with Batman as much as Donna with Jaws, really. <laughs> and so when that didn't happen in Batman Begins, I I had to like force myself toward the end of the movie to say, "Listen, you're just not going to get it because it's not going to be a big surprise <laughs> moment where they where they get this song, you know, kind of like in the in the original Tim Burton where the the Batwing goes into the sky and looks like the signal because it's in the moon and they played the theme." 
I was waiting mm. for one of those moments and never got it, but I but I had to just kind of ignore that. I I never I did not have that experience whatsoever because I I was never really into Batman. I never really watched the original gotcha. movies. Gotcha. Um, but I will say that I I Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. he is just spectacular. Like I've like his score for Inception is just on constant rotation on my iPod. Mm-hmm. Um. I love it. He's 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 fantastic. I honestly, I actually think he should have been nominated for either The Dark Knight or Inception, um, or he should have won because um, I think he was actually nominated for um, one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think he's he's fantastic. Like if you listen to this is d- dipping into Inception a little bit, but if you listen to his track Time, it's just it's just phenomenal. It's I mean it tells it almost tells a story. And it's just it's it's incredible. It's it's really f- fantastic, and that's present in uh, Batman Begins as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, um, and, and to answer your question, Mike, I kind of I had a similar experience as, as far as that what what you mentioned about the, the music and stuff. I I, I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting a a superhero moment like that, but I I wasn't. I don't know. I guess I wasn't looking for it maybe as much as you were, but I I thought that that's what the, I thought it was going to be that kind of movie because that's what yeah. I expected from it. Yeah. But um, I was you know just pleasantly surprised when it when it never came about sure. and when it, it it totally changed. It totally uh, you know found its own identity and became its own thing. Well, um, and where did you guys stand on the on the the idea that um, it could be a prequel, but it certainly wasn't i honestly didn't decide that it wasn't a prequel until the dark knight came out oh wow it was it was that long where i wasn't sure and but but i mean for the most part i was like well it's not really it's a bad prequel because it doesn't have a whole lot to do with it (laughs) but they definitely did not confirm i don't know they were very wise to not confirm that it's something new altogether until the Dark Knight came out. I don't think. Right. Well, I, I, I felt the same when I watched it. When I like when, as I was leaving the theater and the days after, when I was talking to people about it uh, specifically, I remember talking to Matt about it, and I said, mm-hmm. "So, is this part of the, the previous, the previous Batman movies? Is it right. like the same universe? What's going on?" And and I remember Matt saying that no, it's it's completely separate. It's its own. It's like a reboot and. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well then I I love it. Then I'm I'm glad that it's you know it's its own thing. They weren't trying to continue anything. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was with me. I I just never questioned it being anything but a reboot. Honestly, oh um, really? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really follow the news about it. The only real piece of news that I remember reading before it came out was uh, 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 Batman fans being in an uproar about the the tumbler or the the, the Batmobile. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Which <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning that this, the high speed chase with with the tumbler um, on the on the freeways and then and then where he goes completely dark and uh, he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop. I thought that 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 whole sequence was just fantastic. Yeah, um, where he's mm-hmm. transporting Rachel. Yep. Uh, yeah, and also the the scene where he's um, escaping from Arkham. And he takes his the piece from his boot or whatever, and drops it down to signal the bats to come. I just thought that was just, I mean, I thought it was just um, incredible. Um, mm-hmm. 
a really good sequence. So it had sequences like that. It wasn't just it wasn't just this dark, gritty story about uh, <laughs> about your everyday uh, billionaire um, who decides to fight crime. It was just this this awesome action movie as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that also connected with with me to it was the story of him saving Gotham or wanting to save Gotham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, that was just that was just spectacular. Coming from me, like I've lived, I've lived in Speedway, Indiana, for most of my life. For for at this point now, probably half my life, I would say, over half my life. But so just having that small community kind of thing and seeing a depiction on the screen of, of a guy who is just trying to save his community just mm-hmm. kind of resonated with me in, in some small way. Um, I just, I love it. Is it supposed to be small? I don't think Gotham is that small. No, well, no, 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 no. It, I, um, I know what, I know what Matt's trying to say. It's about, just civic, mean, it's, it's about civic pride, pride, civic gotcha. pride, there you go. civic, okay. res- civic pride and civic responsibility. Gotcha. How, it, yeah. how it falls on individuals to come together. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. Gotham, I agree. Yeah, Gotham is to Bruce Wayne what Speedway is to me, or Speedway is to to Tiny. Oh, uh, I swear, right. if you do one of those, I'm not saying I'm Batman, but Batman and I are never <laughs> in the same room. Stupid <laughs> jokes. I'm done on the podcast forever. <laughs> no, you're not in the same room at the same time because he's a fictional character and you're an idiot. <laughs> I hate those so much. Uh, I am wearing a cape right now, but yeah. All right, well, I need to. I need to get my costume sent this back. was um <laughs> this was the first time that we got the uh the batman growl in a movie and i think the first time he oh. does it is when he's roughing up that suspect <laughs> <laughs> and i think the first time he does it is when he's ru- ru- when he's roughing up that suspect in the alleyway and he's asking uh where the yeah. drugs are uh, and then everybody had their impression of Batman after that, that, that they could do that. Did it bug people as much back then? I think it really started to bug people with the dark Knight. but did it, it did started it bug with you the guys? Dark Knight. It didn't bug me. It started with the dark Knight, and it, even still, it didn't bug me in the dark Knight. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, it doesn't bug me either, but I think it's a lot of people. I think they maybe could have made a different choice as far as that goes. His, his Batman persona voice could have been. Something different. I mean, I it would have been equally stupid if you had been using like a British accent or something like that. But, <laughs> but the, the growl was just kind of, kind of weird. I think the pinnacle of it was Dark Knight Rises when he's, "Where is the trigger? Where is it?" <laughs> that, like, yeah, it's the that, that was the pinnacle. I don't so much mind when he shouts it and the camera shakes and that's and you're supposed to fear him the way the the villains are supposed to fear him. Mm-hmm. But when he's like out of breath. And he's got a little bit attitude. <laughs> that actually yeah. sounded like Sylvester Stallone in every movie. <laughs> a little bit, kind of did, yeah. I think the thing with him, with that, with that, is that um, you mentioned the pinnacle of it being in Dark Knight Rises. I think that the big, the big part that people had a problem with was in the Dark Knight when uh, he's talking to Lucius. Yeah, well, it's just the two of them uh, with the the uh-huh. big spy thing. Yeah, and he's like he's using the voice, and it's like people get in an uproar, like, "Oh, he knows Lucius knows that he's that that he's Bruce Wayne." Like, why? And then I reconcile that with just saying he's he's playing he's in a character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and then they talk about when uh, in the Dark Knight Rises when he says, "So that's what that feels like." He's talking <laughs> yeah. to himself. 
But again, <laughs> I agree. I, we're we're spending too much time on this because it it really doesn't bother me that much. I'm right. just trying to figure out why it bothers other people so much. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, it is a, it is a popular aspect of the film that a lot of people have talked about. So yeah. right, it's it's pre- it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Relevant. Um, relevant. <laughs> relevant. I one of my big things that I had trouble getting over, and uh, make no mistake, I love this movie, and so I'm kind of just trying to play the devil's advocate here for us to have mm-hmm. something to talk about. Um, one of the things that bothered me most after leaving the movie was when he tells uh, Raz Al Ghul, as he pronounces it, though it's Raish Al Ghul otherwise. Right. Um, when he says, "I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you," that's a mm-hmm. uh, that's a thin line there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a bit True. of a loophole, yeah. Right. I mean, that's um, uh, that's a thin line. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that when I rewatched it uh, last time. I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't. He has a strict moral code not to kill anyone, but he still kind of killed him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, yeah. but I don't. I don't have to save you. You kinda. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. what you're doing here <laughs> yeah i mean there are there plus he also kind of put him in that situation you know he, he beat did. him up and then blew up the back of the train and he's like i'm gonna leave you here <laughs> to be you. and plus like know. in in the next film in dark knight he you know in, in the climax of that film the joker falls off the side of the building and he makes an effort to save him save him right, right. so that's that is a good point you know, maybe that's just part of his evolution as as Batman. You know, yeah. Sure. yeah so sure. maybe he regretted it, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to mention about this this trilogy, but I think it's also it starts with Batman Begins, obviously. But I think it's also indicative of, or it's just it's something that Nolan has done in a lot of his films. Um, maybe this this isn't the right time to bring it up, but I I, I can't think of a better time. Um, he. His female characters, um, especially the character of Rachel in in this this trilogy, they they seem to be very very one note characters that don't I agree. like the the character of Rachel exists solely as a love interest for Bruce Wayne throughout the films, and mm-hmm. like he she she doesn't she doesn't really serve, especially in Dark Knight, she serves almost no purpose other than just as uh, other than other than just as something the other actors the other characters work off of basically mm-hmm. she she has no depth whatsoever she's very shallow not not I, a not an interesting character and i think a lot of his his female characters are that i mean like even even you know uh the female characters in inception were just they mm-hmm. didn't have any they had a very simple role they weren't deep at all I'm not I think the, sexist, the response just, to that is uh, is Catwoman. She's pretty true. awesome. A- absolutely, that's, that's, that's true. The and Anne Hathaway is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's the exception. Mm. And 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 Talia Al Ghul. Well, Talia Al Ghul is not so much a woman as as just a villain figure. Um, right. But right. Catwoman is very much a woman, and 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 she's pretty awesome. I I'll give you I'll give you Ellen Page in Inception though. She is, yeah. She mm-hmm. I was running through a mental useless. list of all the female characters and. Yeah, like I think uh, Mike, I think he's mentioned in a previous podcast about uh, Ellen Page saying that Ellen Page in Inception, her character might as well have been called ex- uh, Exposition. Exposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basil T- Expositions. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just thought it was a little bit unfortunate that I don't know she 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 wasn't 
first of all, I, I'm not a Katie Holmes fan. I don't think she's very. She's not a good actress. I don't. Most mm-hmm. people. I don't think most people would argue that she is. But uh, I, I and I did like um, Maggie Gyllenhaal better in the second one. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it was still just kind of almost an unfortunate character that I think is kind of glossed over when when people talk about this trilogy. They 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 kind of forget the fact that that was kind of a dumb character. <laughs> I mean, she, <laughs> she she wasn't not important. You know, she had some importance, some some, right. some relevance in the in the the trilogy, but just not. Not real great. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Rachel wasn't in the comics or anything like that. Um, right. And, I mean, I agree. She was She was just... It's interesting how his... Also, this also goes to um, his his uh, his propensity or, or, or his... His, uh, his, his uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His penchant. His penchant for creating um women character characters whose wives have uh suffered greatly or died or yeah. loved ones have died because i mean wow we have, i didn't even think about that yeah memento inception uh dark knight uh uh, uh prestige wow um, that's a good point mm-hmm. i never thought about that yeah yeah they all have uh female characters who who die <laughs> yeah. and are caused to be the, uh, they're kind of the catalyst of, of, uh, of a main male characters, uh, thing. Like I remember there was a, it was a funny, funny anecdote when inception came out. Um, and they talked about how like in the, in inception they have, uh, malls, uh, Cobb's wife and she's dead and like people were saying like okay by this time at this point I kind of think uh, maybe Christopher Nolan's wife should kind of be giving him a second look or kind of kind of keep <laughs> keep an eye on herself um, that's funny they're yeah. right he should she should <laughs> <laughs> do we have favorite scenes what are your favorite scenes from Batman Begins Batman Begins yeah uh yeah I mean I think I already said mine the the bat thing and uh those are more stylistic scenes and and yeah. the, and the um the chase but um yeah that's pretty much i think that pretty much cover it mm-hmm. um how yeah. about you guys go ahead Mike. i love i love the first uh i love when he says i'm batman i love the beginning when he <laughs> when he jumps on top of the limo that whole that whole <laughs> sequence where they're where they're frightened that's exactly the tone uh that that Nolan intended and that Batman intends. And I, mm-hmm. and I just love that. Again, it goes back to, I love uh, a little bit of horror. I love a little bit of terror. And I, and I think that's, that's very in the same of the same ilk as a, as a horror movie, that scene. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. Okay. I, I kind of, I guess I, I would kind of go with a, an amalgam of scenes where, where Bruce Wayne and Ra's al Ghul are kind of, training towards the beginning of the film when they're training mm-hmm. still in, in China. Yeah. I kind of like like when they have the, that sword fight on the ice and the subsequent scene around the campfire. Um, that that stuff I thought was just setting the tone for the whole trilogy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think back to that sometimes. And f- from that movie specifically, from Batman Begins, I think that was, that's probably my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's good. Uh, also worth mentioning, Ra's al Ghul's wife, dead. <laughs> yeah, also Jeez. yeah. <laughs> and and later on his daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, should we move on? 
Sure. Let's do it. Tiny, how about you? Um, like you said, we've talked about uh, Inception and Dark Knight Rises and stuff. Um, but I actually, I think another noteworthy experience I had with uh, Nolan in the theater was actually Batman Begins. Um, I I didn't necessarily boycott that movie, but I just didn't, I just didn't even, I don't know, it wasn't even on my radar, that, that first Nolan Batman movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about it. Um, didn't know anything about it. Well, were I thought, you? I, sorry to interrupt. I know this is your segment. No, it's cool. But I was significantly more concerned with Star Wars Episode Three that summer. Really, really. You know, that's, so it was. It was like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Oh yeah, there's a Batman movie. Yeah, that's probably what it was with me too. But uh, yeah, I just it wasn't on my radar at all. I thought I thought it was actually a continuation of the the Schumacher movies and stuff. Like I didn't. I just didn't pay attention to it. It wasn't really something that was on my radar. And so I actually saw it at like a like a second chance theater or something. So it was like it was it was out of theaters basically. And it had been out of theaters for a month probably and it was just at this, you know, this last chance theater or whatever. And I saw it with a, a girlfriend as well. <clears throat> and she had seen it. She's like, Yeah, it's really good. I was like, Alright, yeah, we can watch it. And I watched it, sat down, watched it, really liked it, loved it. And then at the end, it said directed by Christopher Nolan, and I was like, "What?" I had <laughs> I, I, that's how that's how off my radar it was. I didn't even know that Christopher Nolan had directed it, and I just remember sitting there thinking, like, "This guy is going to be huge," because I I had I had watched Memento and loved it, and I had watched uh, Insomnia and thought it was pretty good, and then he comes out of nowhere and makes this huge blockbuster big budget movie and it's fantastic i was like this guy is just he's so versatile this guy's gonna go places and i didn't uh, i think i think that was the movie that kind of that kind of solidified that opinion for me that's awesome i'm i'm jealous that you guys got in so early because i i surely saw chris nolan's name in the credits and thought absolutely nothing of it in fact i think that's how you sold memento to me matt yeah this is the the guy who did batman begins right right Hmm. yeah and i'll having said that i'll uh or since you brought up memento again um i think just just for crediting reasons i think the first time i saw memento i'm almost positive that I borrowed your DVD, Matt. <laughs> Probably. That's the, first time, that's the first time I ever saw it. So I think that was one of those things where I feel like you in- introduced me to Fight Club, and in right. return, I, I interest in, uh, introduced you to uh, Memento. Which better friend? I don't know. We should duke it out, like in Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, calls back to us uh, talking about how like Tiny's just a part of my. Subconscious. Oh yeah, uh-huh. up in our, in our earlier episodes. <laughs> That's right. Callback. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Um. So up next is Insomnia. This is a bit of an interesting departure from the rest of um, Nolan's filmography in that he didn't write it or anything. He just uh, he just directed it. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just I just recently watched it and it uh, it was okay. Um, the lack of his word smithery, um, <laughs> if that's a thing, w- yeah, was you just uh, made it. You just coined yes, it. Coined by obsessive. You're now 
anytime anyone uses it, they're going to have to pay me and this podcast is going places. Um, but it, it, the lack of his, his, of his, of his writing was, was felt in it. Um, for me at least. Um, yeah. What did you guys think of it? Uh, go ahead, Tiny. Okay. Um, I, I had seen it probably four times. Oh, wow. I watched it recently as a refresher. And um, I had always kind of held it in the regard that it's uh, just kind of meh, just an okay movie. Um, I will say, and maybe my Christopher Nolan bias plays mm-hmm. into this, but I liked it a lot more watching it this time. I don't think I had watched it since Inception and The Dark Knight Rises came out. I kind of see Nolan's signature in it now, um, even mm. in some of the simple, huh. the simple stuff like the way that the little chase scene in Insomnia is filmed where uh, Al Pacino and Robin Williams are running across those logs that are just floating along, uh, floating in the bay. That's how they transport them, I guess. And they're kind of running across that. It just kind of had a, a bit of a Christopher Nolan feel to it. I guess I just detected a little more of a Christopher Nolan feel on this watch through than I had in the past. Interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned noticing some of uh, Nolan's signature stuff i noticed that too that um because because the movie's about a detective um who goes to alaska um where where it's just daylight around the clock um and he's investigating this uh murder of this young girl and uh he's played by al pacino it's it's just a really young girl is played by al pacino (laughs) yeah yeah it's the role of a lifetime um but he it's it's interesting it's an interesting movie. the The plot is interesting. I'll give it that. I, I'm not. I'm not completely discrediting the plot. It's just that with with Nolan's signatures as a as a director were present, but it was just not his signatures as a storyteller weren't weren't there. And that kind of it kind of made me miss something. Um, I'll agree yeah. with that. That's a good point. Okay. Thank you. Um, but it's I, unfortunate, though, isn't it, that we that we have to have his writing? It, is that perhaps a slight to Chris Nolan that he can't he uh, does not play with el- play well with others? I, Do you know what I mean? There I, there are several. Right, I, I get. What you're uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. And this might sound like backtracking, and I don't mean it to, but I I don't think it's a bad movie. Like I said, it's it's an interesting plot, and I. I enjoyed it for what it was, but I don't think mm-hmm. I think that it's it's it speaks more to an expectation that Nolan's past past and at the time future mm-hmm. um work work uh gives me because I've experienced Nolan as a a, a director slash writer and it's and it's it's that's him firing on all cylinders. This is him this is him working in tandem with someone else, mm-hmm. someone else's writing. And I'm sure that he took a pass at the script, but there was still just something missing from traditional Nolan fair. Now, if I had seen, now, if I had seen this without any bias to- toward Nolan or any expectations to- toward Nolan, I may have actually liked it a little more mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have that expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I just want to make it clear. I'm not saying that it's a low quality film i'm just saying that it's in the pantheon of nolan's uh entire 
career. It's it's just not doesn't really cut it for me. Um, it seems it seems like he's a little it, he's a little held back in it. And I I wouldn't go so far as to say he doesn't play well with others. And the reason I wouldn't say that is because this is really the only example that we have. Well, yeah. and if maybe maybe if he was teamed up with a great writer. Maybe if he was, I don't know, if he was mm-hmm. teamed, I would love to see him shoot an Andrew Kevin Walker script. That would Ooh, be huge, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think it would go well with, with his style. Uh, and, you know, maybe if we get something like that, it would be great. You know, I don't, I don't think I'd make that judgment on this one, mm-hmm. though. That's well, that's, true. I mean, that's kind of, yeah, what I'm saying is uh, I think we kind of have to look at it apart from the fact that he didn't he didn't write it and kind of just take it for what it is. Uh, I see what you're saying about the, about the expectations, but like the Batman movies, uh, David Goyer, you know, had his thumbprints all over it, fingerprints all over those movies. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, he, who wrote the stories and I'm sure DC and Warner brothers had a lot to say about those movies. So for me, I don't know that the movie, um, I don't want to say it's not a great Chris Nolan movie because he didn't write it. For me, I just think it's not that great of a movie. I I, I don't want to say I wish he didn't do it, but he's he's above it. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick about I, I I agree with you, but bringing up David S. Goyer, I feel like that's I, I feel like that that's not a fair comparison because while his fingerprints are on the dark knight um Mm -hmm. trilogy or at least batman begins Mm -hmm. it's also it's also nolan's work obviously like i i think i mentioned in the in the um man of steel episode that um i i read the first draft of um batman begins it was the first draft of it was before nolan worked it out it was basically David Goyer's script and it's His a vastly story. Yeah. yeah it's a it's a vastly different script it's it's not it doesn't have that Nolan touch gotcha. um and it's and it's it <laughs> the memory of that lessened the blow of how awful I thought Man of Steel was because it was <laughs> as soon as I saw it was written solely by David Goyer I was like okay well that makes sense yeah um but yeah and I in going back to seeing uh, Nolan's signatures in, in Insomnia, I forgot to mention that uh, one of the one of the things that I noticed that is very Nolan esque is that um, Al Pacino's character is, is he can't sleep um, throughout the movie, and he there's like flashes of um, of what he's thinking about, and like it's very quick kind of. Um, Flashes to flashes to the murder he's investigating to some of the other darker kind of things in his past. It's very it very much reminds me of like um, like in Memento the uh, there was like flashes of uh, Sammy Jenkins and and um, little bits of memories here and there and it kind of that's it's that same kind of style and also in a little bit in in uh, in uh, I think it was the Dark Knight um, that they yeah. had those flashes. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I, one of the things I really like about the movie is the performances, actually. I think especially, obviously it's mostly carried by Al Pacino's character. It's almost a noir, a noir piece in that sense. Um, yeah. 
but Al Pacino is pretty good in it. Obviously, he's not as great as when he played Michael Corleone or when he was in Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, he still gives a good performance. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think he's great in that character. Mm-hmm. He does. He spends he spends a little bit of time roughing up a suspect. He does. A suspect in particular is yeah. Robin Williams. What about oh, him? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Robin Williams is great. I think uh, one of the – he told the line very well between playing just kind of a guy you could kind of sympathize with and someone who's a full-blown serial killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's not a serial killer. He's – He's a bit of a sociopath because, you know, he kills this girl and he just sees it like, well, it's just an accident. He doesn't have any remorse about it. But he's not right. He's not you don't you don't necessarily think he's a full on crazy person, you know, like a Ted Bundy type thing. Right. He's just he made a really good performance, especially with his personal conversations with Al Pacino. Those are some really good back and forths between some seasoned professionals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was the period uh, in Robin Williams' career when he was doing the serious thing, mm-hmm. uh, of which I wish there was more. Me too. Me too. I was just going to say that uh, this and One Hour Photo are really yep. good examples of his. Yep. Maybe the only examples of his <laughs> doing uh Yeah, well, terms. and Patch Adams was like him dipping his toes in the water. Right. Well, and and these don't, were... don't forget the movie Awakenings from the 90s. Uh, I think that was his first Oscar nomination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, right. We're getting right. all over the place. <laughs> what's 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 Awakenings? Real quick, it sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Awakenings was a film from, I think, nineteen ninety or ninety one, and it takes place in uh, the nineteen seventies or sixty nine or something like that. And Robin Williams plays a doctor in a mental institution, and he has a group of patients who are afflicted with encephalitis, and uh, these people were basically just shut down um they didn't speak and basically they were just vegetables and um this doctor played by robin williams um kind of runs tests Mm -hmm. on them and finds that their their brains aren't shut down and they can still react to things oh wow and he tries out this drug on them and it actually cures their affliction and uh he literally wakes these people up um and i mean they were they were vegetables and he just basically Mm -hmm. wakes them up uh, but unfortunately, we find out that the drug is only a temporary fix and that no matter how much more you give them, it eventually wears off. And these people slowly slip back into their vegetative states. Oh, wow. And it's it's a really great movie. Uh, Robert De Niro plays the main patient that he brings back. Huh. And it's just a great movie. I think it's actually uh, a better performance on Robin Williams' part than Good Will Hunting. Oh, wow. wow. I'm um, a, we're also forgetting... Uh, Dead Poet Society. I guess I was just talking about the the resurgence of his serious side, and it's more his 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 foray into the darker, disturbed kind of roles. Sure, yeah, Um, definitely, yeah. Um, I'll have to check out Awakenings, but um, the performances in in Insomnia, I feel like um, I agree. They're they're both both uh, both Robin Williams and Al Pacino are great, and uh, Al Pacino particularly, it's. I, I don't know if it's if it's indicative of the time that the movie was the, filmed, like the time in his career, but mm-hmm. I just anymore I just associate him with this kind of over the top kind of uh, hua kind of guy, <laughs> and he's very subdued in this, and it's very it's very it's a good it's a good performance. It it's is, but he's playing tired. Yeah, you know, I feel <laughs> yeah, like he's true. tired in the movie, or he seems tired. Yeah. And at first, you're like, well, man, that's 
Al Pacino's tired, but he's he's playing tired. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, by the end he looks absolutely exhausted. Yeah, yeah. he's good. He's good yeah. in it. Yeah. So overall, it's I don't know. I I felt like it's a good movie. It's a little hampered by um by Nolan's other movies. It's it's because uh, yeah, it's, it's overshadowed. Better, yeah, yeah. better, worse, or the same in quality as following? I would say better. I would on, say... On pretty much all accounts. Huh. Oh, sorry. Inter- no, that's fine. Um, I would say I like following better just because of the plotting. Um, mm-hmm. The intricacies of the of the plot and the, the deception and the, the non-linear storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say... I had a similar reaction to both, which is, uh, I'd really just want to watch Memento again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, I, I think when I had watched it in the past, I had, I had had the memory that Al Pacino and, uh, his partner played by Martin Donovan, I had had the memory for some reason that they were federal agents or FBI, but they're not. They're LAPD detectives, right? Which I find, and I find it very strange. Um, like, why would the LAPD loan out two of their detectives to fly up to Alaska to help out with this case? Uh, it just seems yeah. weird that yeah. the FBI wouldn't be involved. Uh, Did they explain? Maybe that they're at the all? best, closest. Oh yeah, right. you know, maybe Washington <laughs> State's not getting it done, right? <laughs> so they got to send these guys. I think it's, huh. and I think it's, I think it's just strange to me. It's partly explained by the fact that the sheriff of the town, um, I think it's called Night Mute. Yeah. The sheriff was clearly like old, old buddies with Al Pacino's character. And mm-hmm. some of the guys at the LAPD were like old friends of his. Still, that doesn't seem like enough for official channels to like loan out two of their detectives. Maybe maybe it's explained in the book, but it just seems weird to me. It's. Uh, I, I think it would have made more sense for them to be like FBI agents, right? Right. It didn't like kill the film or anything. I mean, it didn't make it unwatchable. It was just weird, kind of a strange aspect. Hmm. I guess I never huh. thought of it. Yeah, it's part of my criminal justice. Yeah, mind. yeah that's <laughs> true. And it. You say it's. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I may be wrong, but I don't think it's based on a book. I think it's based on a Norwegian movie oh is it i I think so and that may be part of part of that maybe it's maybe it's something they just tried to to adapt for for the for the american thing and they just kind of overlooked it i guess i don't i don't know Hmm. Hmm. either way yeah like i said just a strange right strange aspect i guess yeah so yeah, well, uh, I think that about covers insomnia. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right, any parting thoughts on it? No, I think we covered it. None whatsoever, and I guess that's very telling. <laughs> 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 All right, well, um, yeah, I guess I guess we we should move on to what's what's this next movie? It's Breaking uh, Bad. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Batman wow. begins. Batman uh, begins. Yes, uh, small little independent so, film. Yeah. I think I sequel to following. Seen it. Is it on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> this uh, it's the prequel to Batman, nineteen eighty nine. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, right. 
so that, that's good. That's good. Um, yep. Yeah, I... And next, I, I wanted to talk about, like, where you guys see Nolan going uh, going forward after after he's finished the Dark Knight trilogy. He's working on Interstellar now. I want to get your guys' thoughts on where he's going as a director. Where do you see him going from here? Okay. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you say as a director and, and you make that qualification because I... I was going to say we all know that he's a producer, you mm-hmm. know, working working with Warner Brothers, uh, and he's a producer on the Superman movies to come. And I and I assume all of the Justice League stuff coming I, up. I I actually don't think so. Um, okay, is I think he in, is he involved in Superman versus Batman? I don't think so. Um, I think that he just did. Uh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, part of me thinks that they just got him for Man of Steel just to get his name. Um, okay. But, I think yeah. so. It, it didn't yeah. feel very much like him. No. Okay. Well, because that's what I was going <clears> to <throat> talk about. So that okay. that's kind of a breath of fresh air, right? Because I think I think the part of the reason why they got um, Ben Affleck is to get him as producer and all that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So where do you see uh, Christopher Nolan's future um, as a filmmaker, um, Mike? Oh, the sky's the limit. I mean, we, we know Interstellar is coming out. Uh, I know very little about Interstellar, and I'm kind of keeping it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think really Nolan's kind of keeping it that way as well. <laughs> he, well, sure, of course, of course, he, he does. He does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, again, as the superhero fan, my favorite work of his is is the Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. So while I'm excited to see what he'll do in the future, and and to see him do original uh, original work. I'm I'm gonna miss his fingers all over my favorite superheroes. You know, <laughs> I I'll rather than looking forward to what he is going to do, I'll just dream of the Spider-Man movie directed by Chris Nolan. Oh. You know what I mean? Interesting. <laughs> okay, cool. I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah. Is uh, is breakout movie i would say um at least in the neo-noir sort of indie movie arena um so let's to get things started off uh i think we we already covered this a little bit but what uh what was your guys's first experience with memento well our my first experience if you don't mind me going first tiny no go ahead is uh was seeing it with you right by my side matt um (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, we had a film class, and we saw it in the film class, and uh, and I was just blown away. And we we talked about it afterwards, and afterwards, and my brain was just mush after. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there was just so much to go through and so much to talk about that I just had to watch it again. I feel like that weekend I went out and bought the DVD, watched it again, waited a few hours, and then I watched it. Uh, like, there's the special feature on the DVD where you can watch it chronologically. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And I did that as well and just and just went over and over again. It was good it was a good first viewing experience to see it in that big auditorium. And yeah. uh, to just you know, your introduction was this is the this is the Batman Begins guy. Enjoy this. Right. And I'm I'm sure I built it up like this is one of my favorite movies of all time, yeah. so you need to love this movie. Yeah, and I was like, is that the guy <laughs> from the time machine? <laughs> <laughs> uh Nice. Awesome. 
Yeah, and I, I loved seeing it in the theater. I I, I was floored by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember any of the lecture that <laughs> we had no, for that. I, what, what was what was the point of watching that movie? I mean, they always had a point. They always had the yeah. Was it uh, were they were they just talking about? I think he was plot? talking about like editing. Editing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Probably. Why? Not. Why was this in? Is it the, part of it was in sepia, right? All the right. Yeah, something like sepia. that. And I and I think we were talking about you know why is this stuff in sepia? Why is this stuff in color? Um, right. And then, and then, interestingly, how the character evolves over the time, but only because we get the evolution of the character, right? So yeah, it was cool. It's uh, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Uh, Tiny, how about you? What was your? I think you you already mentioned that you borrowed my DVD, but yeah. what was your initial reaction to the movie? I should say, um, I, I was, I, I was equally as uh, equally as shocked by it. Uh, it was it was the first time that. Chris Nolan ever reached into my brain and flipped it upside down and punched it and then <laughs> put it back in there. Uh, it yeah, was... like it was roughing up a suspect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I was blown away by it initially. Even as a, you know, 15, 16-year-old, I was I was blown away by it. I had, I had heard from so many people that it was so good, and I finally just broke down and borrowed it from you. And that's... I, I think I went out and bought it within a month or two as well and i've probably watched it at least seven or eight times since did you buy the oh, dvd absolutely. that looks like a case file i don't have i used to have that one but i think i lost it when i went to college or something and uh, i re- repurchased it and all they didn't have any more like that that yeah. that special one wasn't in print anymore or something like that right. so I, yeah i love that dvd packaging yeah so do i yeah it, even com- it comes um, with a paper clip it the funny thing about that is <laughs> At the time, I was working at Blockbuster, and or, or later I was working at Blockbuster. Um, in any case, I I think I loaned it to Tiny, and then I think in the exchange of getting it back, I went to his house to get it back, and I think the paperclip like fell out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have it anymore, and I was kind of bummed because I was like, "Oh, it's a nice little cool little thing to put on there." So I just went to Blockbuster, and this is when they had the the boxes out oh, covering no. the. Covering the thing, so I just took the paperclip from one of you. theirs, <laughs> and that thief. led to the downfall of blockbusters yeah, across the you nation. Single-handedly bankrupted. I bo- did. Blockbuster. I did. Blockbuster's gonna um, get their legal department after you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now I'm gonna be on the run. We're <laughs> <laughs> paperclips. We don't make any money anymore. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> nice. Well done. Um. But yeah, for those who haven't seen Memento, um, it's just it's just an incredibly incredibly well done movie. It's uh, it stars Guy Pierce as a man who, uh, at following following the the his wife is killed, and in the process, he's his head is damaged to where he doesn't have short term memory. Mm-hmm. So he has all of these post uh, um, um, these notes and and these uh, Polaroids of things that he needs to remember as he hunts his wife's killer, and, and the big uh, and tattoos. Yeah, for the big clues, he has tattoos. Um, John G raped and killed my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, find him and kill him. Um, so basically, the entire movie is him hunting his wife's killer. But the thing that Nolan does to get us into his frame of mind 
is he he the movie is played in reverse. The first scene is last. The last scene is first. Uh, that's an oversimplification of the of the format, but for all intents and purposes, that's what it is. And it just works incredibly well because you you sympathize with uh, Leonard and you you feel his plight as you don't know what's going on and you see him struggle with learning, relearning this information and questioning questioning the people around him, their motivations, their they're like he doesn't know who to trust and it's just a very it gets into as tiny said it gets into your brain flips it over punches it and gets mm-hmm. out um it's just a spectacular spectacular movie um i wrote a song shortly after i was in a band for several years mm-hmm. and thank sh- you jade thank you jade thank you thanks for the name <laughs> drop uh <laughs> after i watched memento i wrote a song about like being a con man <clears throat> and not that Leonard Guy mm. Pierce's character was a con man, but, uh, and, and I wrote about writing the facts on my right wrist because I'm left-handed <laughs> in more ways than one. I don't even know exactly what that means, but I, I like <laughs> it intrigued me to tattoo stuff on yourself to, to remember things. And so I just wrote this song about this guy who is left-handed. And I felt like at the time, like left-handed meant like you, you rip people off all the time. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, That's interesting because you saw it. This was freshman year of college, uh-huh. and I'm left-handed. You Ooh. are? I am. Oh, yeah. things have changed between us. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know this. Interesting. Maybe I was writing oh. about you. Yeah, oh. I was I, I was like, that's why I said I was. I kind of wish that it wasn't written about The song me. goes, <laughs> and he slept there two feet from my own bed. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, do I feel like the third wheel tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> you like have a, a friend named thing. Tiny. Yeah. He's in Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. But the cast is phenomenal for Memento. It's just, I mean, Guy Pierce. I like, I wish that, I hope that Guy Pierce and Christopher Nolan work together again because that that meld of of performer and director was just it was just it was amazing mm-hmm. um and there's a scene particular there's a particular scene in the movie where he's leonard is uh he he pays a, a prostitute or an escort or what have you to recreate the um the events of the night that his wife died mm-hmm. the, like um, the last memory he has of his wife yeah, right. yeah, because it's it's the last memory before he ceased to have memories. Um, so and it, it's just strange because after after it happens and all that, because she doesn't understand what's going on, he goes and he burns all of his uh, wife's his former wife's wife's possessions. Mm-hmm. And it's just the atmosphere of the scene. It's it's dark and he's he's just standing uh, just in I think it's a parking lot with a like a garbage fire. Um, he's just tossing these things in there and he says something to the effect of um, probably tried this before probably burned truckloads of your stuff can't remember to forget you it's just, it's just a really well executed scene it's just um, he has there's this heartfelt like the music plays and it, it's just a very it's very, it's a very nice. It's a good character moment, I should say. Mm-hmm. 
because um, it's it's a good development of his character. Um, and just that always stuck with me. Interesting. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys since we're we're talking about it. Did do you guys feel that if the film had not had the the aspect of being told in reverse, if you will, which again is a bit of an oversimplification, but if it was, if it didn't have, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but if it didn't have that aspect to it, do you think it would have been a, do you think it would be such a memorable film or do you think it would be held Mm -hmm. in such high esteem if it was just a straightforward noir mystery with, with with the same aspect of having you know the memory loss thing, which is also kind of uh, again that's definitely not a gimmick, but it's it's a, a unique aspect of the film. But do you think without the reversal or the the way they tell the story, do you think it would still be as as memorable of a film? Well, first first of all, I love I love that you refer to it as a memorable film. <laughs> Jeez, if it's uh, unintentional, but I I love it, but. Uh, you know, I'll yield the floor to Mike because he he said you've you've watched the chronological version. I can't remember if I did. Yeah, or, and oh, it's yeah. been so long yeah. since I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. But still, the whole time, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole time I was watching the the chronological version, I'm connecting it to the one that is reverse chronological, uh, right? So I'm really only making connections. So to answer your question, Tiny, I I would say no. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, you know considering the the publicity that his older movies received i don't even know that this movie would have that the net of this movie would have been cast as wide or even been made were it not for the hmm. uh gimmick i guess for want of a better phrase mm-hmm. but, interesting yeah okay. I, I would say no definitely not as memorable but possibly not even made okay i would say that it's uh for for lack of a better word, it it is slightly gimmicky, but it also also not so. It's not uh, well, g- you know, g- the word gimmick has a a negative connotation to it, but it does. That's not it does. It, it, Memento is definitely not that. You couldn't. I don't right. think you could even make the argument that it's a gimmick. Really, there, right? There's, there needs, it needs it needs yeah. its own term. Yeah, it's it is a, a stylistic choice by Nolan. Um, that serves the story mm-hmm. almost as much as, as anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very integral to the story he's telling because uh, when you watch it chronologically early on in the movie, I mean, spoiler alert, um, you find out, I'll keep it vague, but you find out characters that, you find out characters' intentions by the end of the movie as we see it, or beginning of the movie as chronologically as we as we see it. So, mm-hmm. to watch it chronologically, I mean, obviously they'd have to make some uh, script changes or whatever um, if they were never going to do the um, reverse uh, reverse uh, uh, editing. Um, but you you see the intentions from the start, and it would kind of cheapen the experience. Not that there's anything, not that it wouldn't still be an engaging movie. But mm-hmm. it still would lose something in that translation because it's so integral to the story that is being told. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's the reason why I think it's so important to the film is that the character of of Leonard he he lives his life in essentially in in scenes. That that's how he lives his life. It's scene after scene after scene. That's mm-hmm. how he lives his life, and that's how that's how movies are. Movies are yeah. 
a collection of scenes and because they have to be you couldn't have you know if you told the movie in real time it would be 10 hours long or you know right. 3 days long so that that's how that's how films are naturally they have to be that way so you couldn't you couldn't really capture the the aspect of how Leonard lives his life through traditional storytelling it had to have that that different aspect to it it had to have that that style choice as as you called it Matt mm-hmm. so it's not it's not a gimmick for that it's it is a way it, it was the, the perfect way to illustrate how the character of Leonard lives his life. That's that was a perfect way to demonstrate it. Uh, yeah. You couldn't do it through tra- traditional storytelling. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, anything else about Memento, or should we move on to Insomnia? I say uh, move on. I say move on too. All right. Uh, Tiny, what about you? Where do you see Christopher Nolan's future as a as a filmmaker? Um, Mike said that you know the sky is the limit, and I completely agree. He's he's one of the like I said, I think he's I think he's literally important to to the film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the sky is the limit, but I don't think he needs to reach for the sky on every <laughs> single film. That's kind of how I feel about it. Because since since Batman Begins. Uh, everything he's made has been a pretty big budget, huge blockbuster. True. Yeah. It, it's, uh, the Prestige, maybe not, but it was still a pretty big movie. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think he's he's continuing that with Interstellar. It's probably going to be a pretty big release. But I, I honestly I would I wouldn't mind him going back to doing something like Memento again or Insomnia, kind of a low <laughs> lower budget, lower scale, uh, just kind of a straightforward movie. Um, <laughs> just develop some characters, just something. Something kind of simple again, just 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 to see, just to see that side of him again. Uh, I, I have I have no problem if he makes another ten Inceptions, you know, t- ten more huge budget movies that make five hundred million dollars. I have no problem with that, but I just think it would be an interesting exercise as a filmmaker to see him to see him do that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I just I just want to kind of bust your balls for a second but i thought it was funny that you referenced memento you said memento in um wow, what phrase is straightforward straightforward yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but, that's that's not very accurate yeah but i mean with nolan i think you know what i, yeah. you know what I meant like, yeah with like nolan nothing budget. is really that straightforward true um so first up is christopher nolan's debut movie which is uh following um a little independent movie um uh, yeah a little 70 minute independent movie about a man who likes to follow people um, yeah it was really short it was it was very short and uh mike you just recently watched it for like the first time right i did i watched it uh um I don't know, four days ago mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like when we recorded this podcast. So, yeah. you know, right. f- a, a week ago or so. Okay. What'd you, what did you think of it? I liked it a lot. Um, I, <laughs> I was kind of busy. So like I put it on and <laughs> so lame. I kind of like worked out while I was watching it and kind of had my eye on it. And then I sat down on the computer 
and and then finally got into it a little more uh, mm. as it went on. But I was a little thrown. I, I kind of had to pause and look to see, uh, like, who these three guys were that kind of looked the same. <laughs> and it, and it mm-hmm. wasn't until I, you know, read up on it and realized they were the same guy. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. Nice. I, cool. I liked it quite a bit, too. It's kind of my go-to thing whenever I t- tell people about it is that you can see – you can see the the inner workings of Nolan's like genius or the early the early the early parts of his of his of his brilliance. Yeah, exactly. In terms of plotting and, and everything, and it's um, it's interesting to note that this was the first. This this is one of only two of his movies that are actual, just completely original to him. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Memento is based on a story that he's, that his brother wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, the prestige is based on a book and, and did um, he write inception by himself? He did. Okay. He did. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did. Um, yeah. And it's just, it was, um, it, it was a good flick. It was a good flick and a good, it's always fun to watch, watch filmmakers in their early days, uh, when they're still kind of rough around the edges it kind of reminds me of darren aronofsky's uh pie which um, i don't like this is far superior to pie eh, in my okay i'm either or on it I, i've only seen pie once um yeah i haven't seen that in so long but yeah tiny what did you think of following yeah. um i liked it as well i think it's a movie that's kind of once you get past the the feel of it i think it's because it, you can tell that it's such a super low budget movie once you get into it and you get that get past that feeling you really start you know you get into it and you you start connecting with the characters and thinking about it and all that stuff uh it's a cool movie and it's it's definitely something that could have i think it would have been vastly improved by having a big budget <laughs> or having more of a budget um, right, and not not just. I, I like the choice of making it black and white. That's not what I mean. It's just, you know, it's just the, the way that it's. It feels like you know the the director, the filmmakers like put it. They had to film it in their own apartments and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it would have been an even better film with with a budget. Um, but I I liked it. I thought the performances were pretty good too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that I think is what stood out to me. Uh, unknowns, as far as my knowledge uh, <laughs> of movies, you know, I didn't know. I knew who nobody was in this movie, and I was. Yeah. I had to say, I was impressed with uh, with the performances, specifically the thief, the burglar. Mm-hmm. I thought he was. I thought he was particularly mm-hmm. good. He was really yeah. good. He was. Uh, he was really good as a kind of just a sketchy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sketchy guy with with charisma. Yeah, yeah. Oh, charm, definitely charm. Charming, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a great criminal, absolutely, um, like a con man. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, totally. I thought it, I was I was really impressed by the fact that a you know a first time filmmaker, at least you know a, a full budget film and everything, he uh, he chose to make it like a non linear story. You know, he he interspersed different timelines throughout each other it was it wasn't all just it wasn't just a straightforward linear movie that's a pretty that's a very bold choice to make with with a a low budget film and it's very bold to make as a first time filmmaker you know you mm-hmm. don't 
you just don't expect to see something like that. And I think that's that's one of the more impressive parts of the movie is how he edited it together. Yeah. It leaves you guessing. You see, you know, you see the bruises on his face and you're suspecting that he got roughed up, but you know, you're just you're not mm-hmm. sure how it happens or when it happens and you're kind of waiting to see. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um and it's interesting that it I I feel like it it was a uh, uh I, I I feel like it, I feel like it was it was like kind of a, a film school kind of thing. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it if it is or not, but it felt like a very like he he was learning himself. Nolan was learning his his style, and obviously, nonlinear storytelling is a very big uh, style for him um, as a filmmaker, even today. Um, and it's kind of it was mm-hmm. cool to see him cut his teeth in that. It felt like he was experimenting with a storytelling style that would that would go on to to um, to treat him very well. Um, yeah, and I, I just got a huge kick out of it. Did you guys see the estimated budget for the movie? Yeah, uh, six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars. Wow, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did how did uh, how did you guys find the movie? Like, did you? How did you guys come about hearing about the movie and subsequently watching it? Through Matt. <laughs> really? through, through Matt, he said, uh, you know, this is one of his earliest ones. Have you ever seen it? Nope. Nope. Probably won't. Nope. Probably won't. Uh, which I don't know why because it's so short. It's just it's just a quick watch. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, I, I watched it for this podcast and you guys said it was on Netflix. Nice. So Glad uh, I did, though. I don't remember how I came about it. I, I I know that it was because it was Nolan. It was it was long after I'd gotten into Nolan, um, so I, th- I think okay. that it may have just been I was seeking it out just to just to complete my viewing collection of mm-hmm. Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm I'm guessing that's how most people found it. Um, the way I found it was actually really cool. My one of my uncles, who's a he's a huge movie buff. Um, but he's 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 really like he's a at the time he owned a business and so he was super busy he didn't have a lot of time to watch a lot of movies so whenever he watches something he really chooses something you know that's going to be worth his while and at the time he was living in Singapore um, hmm. and he lived there for like ten years and so he couldn't get his hands on everything and a lot of a lot of stuff he had to watch he would buy in bootleg form like down at the local market and stuff like ah. that huh. and so. That's the first way I saw the movie was when I was visiting him. Uh, I only got saw – sometimes I would go like two, three years without seeing him. So um, we would usually talk about movies when we when we saw each other, and it was always a really a really great discussion. And uh, he just kind of pulled out this like, this like generic – it wasn't even a generic CD case. It was just like one of those clear plastic CD, CD cases. It wasn't even a DVD case. Mm-hmm. And he had huh. this, this DVD of following that he had bought for like – three yuan which is the i think that's the singaporean uh currency Mm -hmm. so he bought it for like essentially like 50 cents or something like that and he was like yeah you know the the uh the uh, christopher nolan the guy who made the memento movie i was like yeah it's an awesome movie i love it he's like well this is his this is his very first movie he made in england and i was like well that sounds awesome and uh i borrowed it from him for like a year until i saw him again (laughs) (laughs) and that's the first time i saw the movie and it was uh it was just a kind of a cool little thing to share it with my uncle that way, who I didn't get to see very often. Oh wow, cool! I, 
That's awesome. I never I never heard of that story. Yeah. That's cool. It's kind of cool. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah. Not that any of us here at the Obsessive Viewer condone uh, bootlegging or piracy of any kind. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> hiss. <laughs> never. Um, never. I, I, I watched it on Netflix that my parents pay for. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Yeah, so it's it's a great movie, and it's it's definitely it's got a bunch of elements that uh, that will. That's just it, it's really well done. I, I would say, especially for what it is, it's this independent movie. Like we said, six thousand um, dollars. Right. It's just, and it's it's really it's clever. It's it's clever, and that's that's one of the big takeaways for me with the movie is that it's basically a good introduction to what Nolan will eventually become this kind of clever storyteller with um very intricate intricately plotted and um uh like like just nonlinear storytelling at, at its at its near finest because uh especially for what it is this independent movie um, definitely yeah. yep agreed all right uh memento Let's talk about Memento. Alright, let's do it. So that, that's interesting. Um, I'll tell you where I where I kind of see him headed. Um like you said, he's he's working on Interstellar right now. It's filming. Um, despite my best efforts, I can't find out where they're filming, or I can't crash the set. But anyway, oh, they're not. They're not filming in space. Oh, man, dang it! All right, well, I got to cancel that lunch with Elon Musk. I thought. Um, <laughs> Thanks for ruining the illusion. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kidding. no, and I, like, I mean, with Interstellar, I was. I'm just amped that he's doing a space movie because i mean ever since the zero zero g hallway fight with uh, joseph gordon levitt and in, inception i was like he needs to make a space movie like right now to to reference <laughs> earlier in the podcast that was when i said we laughed at, at scenes in inception my friend mm-hmm. and i when we saw it that was the scene that was just so awesome the only emotion we could muster was laughter oh yeah like like giddy Agreed. with excitement after Agreed. after that scene right right um, yeah, so I, the thing that the thing I find interesting about Interstellar is, um, and I'll, I'll talk about it later, um, and more in depth later. But the thing I find interesting is that they released, or they said, they set the release date early in the like in, in the spring, but they or they set the release date this spring, uh, but the release date is November of next year, which I thought was interesting, and I feel like maybe this is just me reaching for. Um, something, but I'm hoping that that's supposed to be indicative of them, of at least Nolan trying to, trying to shift his, shift his, um, stature as a filmmaker from the summer blockbuster to maybe a legitimate, um, uh, Oscar worthy award season, yeah, award yeah. season guy. Um, well, right. I would, I would agree with you mm-hmm. and i think he deserves to be an oscar guy in fact when i 
uh, stopped taking the Oscars seriously was when he wasn't even nominated for Dark Knight. That's another conversation altogether. Right. But um, you got to remember that Thanksgiving weekend in November is pretty freaking blockbuster. I mean, this year, it, like every year we get a Twilight. We got a Twilight movie. Uh, this year is a Hunger Games. It's becoming it's becoming pretty big as well. That's for, true. For and is it... Good point. Is it going to be released on Thanksgiving weekend? No, I don't okay. know that. I, I just assume if you have a movie opening in November, it's that kind of... Especially a movie called Interstellar with the cast that it has. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, a, sounds like a Thanksgiving weekend movie. Okay. Hmm. Could be. Yeah, I'm still going to hold out hope that he's going to... Uh, be, it's going to be a push for award season because a I love I love sci-fi movies and I I just want I want a sci-fi movie that will be considered for awards and maybe Gravity will be that actually but um, I hope that I and I hope that he just I hope that he becomes he has not that there's anything wrong with directing blockbusters or anything I just feel like he has so much more talent than that. Um, and that's evident in all of his Batman movies and um, just the, the, the everything about his his style and he's he you say he has more talent than, than blockbusters I say that he is worthy of shifting to awards caliber work I okay I agree but I think I think the great thing about Nolan is his ability to blend them and I think right. that's why we love him because because they are huge huge blockbuster movies that we think are deserving of award quality and a lot of people do I mean mm-hmm. when he was snubbed at the Oscars a lot of people cried foul I think that's the awesome balance so I don't I mean I don't care when he releases his movies <laughs> I, I think they're going to be awesome and I think eventually he will be considered for uh, for the major awards I hope so but in in as as a quick addendum to that or whatever. Um, when when you say that he's a perfect blend of it, I, I I can't necessarily fully agree with you because I love Inception and uh, I'll talk about that when we discuss it. But mm-hmm. I, I love Inception to death. But we've mentioned this before. But he's it was made for a blockbuster audience. It was made for a summer audience. But the plot was okay. Yeah, too, and we'll talk about that later. You're yeah, right. it was too complex for. A blockbuster audience, and because of that, the film suffered slightly. Um, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more in depth when we talk about uh, Inception. But I but feel did like Dark there's... Knight suffer at all. I mean, I think Dark Knight is a pretty near perfect movie. I absolutely agree. Oh, it's absolutely a near perfect movie, but yeah. it didn't have the intricate plot, or it didn't have the it no, didn't have the intricacies right. of Inception. Any plot, but that's. <laughs> Uh, it did. It didn't have the intricate world. Yeah, the whole new universe essentially. Yeah, because yeah. half of Inception wasn't explaining Inception. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah. Any closing thoughts on on Nolan? Is oh, I wanted to mention, uh, and I would hope I would hope that he makes a Bond movie. <laughs> oh, awesome! I would love that. Yeah, I know that he's. I know that he's a huge Bond fan. Um, I just feel like it would be amazing to see him do it. Not that Sam Mendes needs to be dispatched from the franchise at all by any means, because I loved Skyfall. But I hope that he gets a crack at it at some point. Agreed. Cool. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, any any parting thoughts on Nolan? Um, just looking looking forward to Interstellar. Can't nice. wait. Nice. All right. Well, let's get cracking on actually talking about his movies individually. Uh, awesome. All right. Now, where were we? Hey, it's Matt. Thanks for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. This was our summer 2013 season finale. I realize it's kind of an arbitrary label considering that it's the almost the end of September. But we started this podcast on June 21st and felt it was appropriate to kind of gauge each season by, by the seasons outside. Um, even if they won't align with uh, the movie-going seasons, but whatever. Um, just want to give again thank you everyone for listening and downloading and, and commenting and um, everything. It's it's it means the world to us because we didn't think anyone would actually listen. Um, and I want to give a special thank you to uh, our friend Greg Lenz who he he pestered me and Tiny for the longest time and tried to convince us to start a podcast and we finally did. Uh, because he basically forced us to, <laughs> um, and it, it's been, it's been great ever since, uh, ever since. So thanks a lot, Greg. And I want to also, uh, thank Chris Spangle, um, and the entire We Are Libertarians empire, um, for, for helping us out when we got started. We, they loaned us some, uh, equipment for our first, uh, episode and, uh, also, uh, Chris uh, let us bend his, bend his ear about podcast producing and all that stuff. So thank you very much for that. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of help, and those guys are uh, those guys are really cool. Um, you should check it out. Their podcast is Real Libertarians. Uh, it's, a, it's a great one. Um, also, thank you to uh, our friends Anonymous Bill and Doc for the Exposure Express Network. We uh, used some equipment of theirs for uh, an early episode and that helped us out a lot because we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get an episode out that week and one of the big things for us has been consistency um i i say that after while recording this very late on the friday on the friday that this was supposed to be released so if you're listening to this day one i apologize for the lateness we had an editing crisis that maybe i'll talk about on a later podcast when i'm not freaking out over the uh the direness of the situation um but and also again I've, I've said it like four times but thank you everyone for listening and we hope that you keep listening and that you tell all your friends about it of course you can contact us at on twitter at obsessive viewer obsessive tiny and at i am mike white you can like us on facebook visit the blog um at obsessiveviewer.com we have a lot of things planned for the future um, you can also send us an email at ovpodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we hope to, hope to hear from you guys and hope you guys like listening. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. So, uh, all right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>